incredibly. And I pictured in my mind one situation from Dublin when I was playing at the train station and a lot of people around me, they all were strangers, but they all started to pay attention, look at me. Some of them started dancing, some of them started making pictures and videos. They were smiling, they were clapping their hands. And the moment like this, it creates a sense of community, This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. In reality, Ukrainian people are much better, much more interesting and friendly than other people expect. This podcast is about the real life experiences, work and personalities of Ukrainian people with a focus on the capital Kiev so that foreigners discover the positive truth about Ukraine hear the voices of Ukrainians, visit the country and invest in the economy, creating more opportunities for the younger Ukrainian generations to stay and build their country. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me, and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for the children who lost their families in the war. I couldn't return to Ukraine in 2020 because of COVID-19. So this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you. Thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranked number one on Apple Podcasts about Ukraine, top 100 travel podcasts in France, in Switzerland, and in Ireland, top 60 travel podcasts in the United Kingdom and in Norway, top 50 in Sweden, in Canada, in Italy, and in Spain, top 25 travel podcasts on Apple Russia, Top 20 on Apple Poland and in the Netherlands. Top 10 in Finland, Romania, Cyprus, and in South Korea. So please keep supporting as we will reach together 100 interviews and many more. We're almost at 90 interviews in 50 days. That's amazing. All published, all for you to learn and discover and listen to the voices of real Ukrainian people speaking about their happiness their personalities and their lives and please follow the instagram about this project aziz.future it's newer as well my guest today is elina kochenko elina is originally from kiev but she spent 16 years of her life in krivirich she did her bachelor's degree in marketing at the school of business and management of technology in belarus then her Master's of Science in Digital Marketing at the Dublin Business School in Ireland. All along, she dreamed of coming back to Ukraine, and she succeeded. She found a job at the venture capital part of Genesis IT Holding in Kiev, and she followed her dream, rented an apartment, began a new life in Kiev, a city she loves and belongs to. 
She keeps constantly improving herself and is now a trainee in the Ukrainian Media Foundation. And she has written for the Kiev Post and done an internship there. In Ireland, she immersed herself in spirituality and did yoga with her Buddhist friend, progressed in meditation, and did retreats at the edges of Ireland. Early on, she has achieved success in gymnastics, received a Masters of Sports certification, and was a gymnastics coach for boys and girls up to six years old. And an interesting thing about her, she plays five musical instruments. Now, she is a public relations specialist for Genesis Investments, which is a Ukrainian industry agnostic VC fund and portfolio startups from Ukraine, Belarus, and the Baltic countries. Elena, how are you today? Hello, I am great. I'm really excited about our today's conversation and thank you so much for introduction. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun and it's going to be really, really interesting. And I want to go somewhere where today, if you listen to your heart and you thought about speaking about one of these three topics, which one will touch your heart more to speak about the startups and that energy and dynamics of startups in Ukraine and in the region, or to speak about spirituality and meditation, etc., or to speak about gymnastics and musical instruments and self-improvements, which one your heart desires? My heart really loves all these three topics, but I would prefer to speak about the third one because my job consists of startups every day so it's not the best option to choose this topic to move on with it because I'm full of it and uh, talking about spirituality and meditation is very controversial because there are a lot of different opinions on this stuff and there are a lot of things which are really secretive to share so I would choose third one wonderful Do you have a story related to musical instrument playing or to gymnastics or to coaching kids that really is important for you and meaningful? You can share. Probably the most important and meaningful part of all my life's journey in terms of music and uh, gymnastics is the moment when I realized that I can share my skills and my knowledge with other people And those people were kids. I love kids. I extremely love kids. I'm dreaming about having a huge family with five kids, at least. So I was really shocked with the level of emotions and feelings I experienced when I first was a teacher for kids. I realized that I can show someone what to do, that I'm experienced enough to properly control the process to not cause any injury for little kids and uh, I felt strong and powerful because teacher as a teacher I was able to control the situation and to cope with super active kids who were always talking running biting each other but I handled the situation and I was really proud of it very proud you felt strong 
and powerful as a teacher, even with hyperactive kids, and that you can teach them, and that you had enough experience for it to be safe for them. Is this a correct understanding? Yes, sure. You feel me exactly as I felt it. Yes. And, well, there is so much that we will speak about related to this. So I'll begin with something that I'm interested in, which is why do you have this love and fascination for children? There are some people who will say this. What I love about children is their innocence. And when I look at them, I see purity that I don't see in adults. And therefore, it gives me back hope in the world. That's one. Second, it's the maternal love for children that is imagining that you have your big family and that you're surrounded by your children playing around and that you can control the situation and teach them even within the chaos. That's another option, or maybe both are relevant. Or it's simply that you can be totally yourself around children because they don't judge. There is no need to be a professional within adults. There will be no gossip and nothing like that. Which one would be the most like representative of your love for children? Those are very interesting options, but uh, the most Likely, I will create my own because I don't think that uh, you can't be yourself with adults or that you should behave differently with adults and children because children feel when you fake something. And actually, I'm more fake with kids because I need to somehow lower my level of thoughts and expressions to be understand understood by kids. So that's definitely not my point. And also about maternity, that's probably closer to my heart. Because when I think about kids, I always remember the times where when I was eight years old and my sister was born and I was the luckiest girl on the entire planet. I spent so much time with my youngest sister. I created a blog where I posted everything about her stages of growing up and discovering new things in this world. We created a lot of videos about our art, about music, about learning languages and all this stuff. And I now live far away from my sister because she is studying in Greece and I really miss that time when we were together every day, when I was running from school home faster, as fast as I could, just to see her, to hug her, and to start doing our activities. So for me, the chance to speak and play with other kids is a chance to remember the times when I was able to do it with my sister. And uh, I am recharged by their energy and their joy when they find me entertaining for them so i just enjoy the time and the vibes that kids give me yes so when you enjoy your time with kids you remember those periods of time when your sister was born and you are the happiest girl in the world and you created a blog and you shared there about your activities together and learning new things and you run back home from school to spend more time with her and discover and teach her and share together special moments. Is this correct? 
Yes, that's absolutely true. And this blog is still alive. Recently, I sent it to my parents and they read through everything. And that was so funny because I was just 12 years old and I was writing very straightforward everything and we laughed a lot. And uh, that are the warmest memories which are kept in digital world. And that's great. And it's funny because you wrote the blogs about your sister and her discoveries and development. And now you write about startups and Genesis. And those are your babies in many ways that are growing in some way and discovering new things all the time. And to focus back, it seems to me, and correct me if this is wrong, that when you are teaching or helping children learn and discover new things, you feel powerful and you feel happy. And that is somewhat of the most meaningful activity that you can do with children is be the reason they learn and discover and learn more. Is this correct? Or is there another part that's even more meaningful? That's absolutely correct. It was my huge childhood dream to become a teacher in kindergarten when I grow up, but I chose other way. But this thing, the internal desire stayed inside and I am really inspired by sharing my knowledge. And this applies not only for kids, for adults as well, but just kids are so open to everything and they have so much to discover that I can receive the most possible amount of emotions from kids. Great. And I have to ask then, you receive the greatest, most possible amount of emotions from kids because they're so open. Well, is this about that you'll spend longer time teaching them and therefore you're excited about all the great memories you'll create together and the meaningful moments? Or are you fascinated with the potential of something small and new, and you're like, wow, I can shape it and help it become all it can be. So it's about the potential, or it's about all the times possible you will spend years and years together teaching them, sharing special moments. It's more about just moments and memories which will stay with them forever, because I don't feel that I'm that person who should guide someone and shape someone. Even if I will have five kids, I want just to be a part of their lives, not the entire shaping system, because I want them to be shaped by many other people and factors as well. Wonderful. And do you believe that many people in Ukraine have this similar approach to children, or do they try to control and be the people who shape the future? Uh, your anecdotal per perspective, of course, we cannot really know everyone and generalize, but do you have a sense that other people, many share your way of approaching raising children, or do you find that yours is a bit different? Thanks for interesting question. I will answer to the first part. So I believe that in Ukraine, children grow up in the freedom mostly because in the city where i was uh, grown up in ukrivorok we had a lot of dangerous places we had a lot of industrial landscapes and uh, everything were allowed for everyone so it was really dangerous to grow up there but despite this fact 
our parents mostly were loyal and they were not too strict. They allowed us to explore this world and uh, to adapt to it. So in terms of strictness, I think Ukrainian people are not that hard. But uh, in terms of some mental limitations, they are, because in brains of a lot of people, there are still some stereotypes about how, for example, girls should behave in society, what should someone do, what should someone not do, and that's uh, very hard to overcome. But this time, I think we are moving towards more loyal, free, and positive approach to it. And as per second part of your question, I haven't seen a lot of people who are at the same page with me in this point, but I was lucky enough to meet a partner who shares this opinion, and uh, I believe that there are a lot of people who think the same way as I do and who are inspired by teaching and sharing and uh, making new people (laughs) great same as I do, but also in my workspace, for example, a lot of people are somehow afraid of building a family, of having the kids, because of their some personal and career goals. And it's kind of popular opinion that kids are prevention of career growth, and it's impossible to combine both and just everyone prefers to not think about their age and about their family they just focus on their job at the moment and if you were to speak to those people how would you explain your perspective on the ability to balance and have kids as a source and a driver for your success in life That's actually a kind of conversation which happens from time to time to me. So I just clearly explain my thoughts and uh, I say that I appreciate all the opinions. I'm not judging. And that just for me, the best solution is to work hard till some moment, build some kind of financial stability, probably passive income, to make sure that I will be able to do what I truly love and not to fall, to fully fall into being a mom, but to combine these two sides of life. And for me, it's great. For someone else, it could be great just to focus on career. I'm not the judge, so I appreciate and celebrate every opinion. That's why I love talking about this. Thank you. So for you, you want to work and have passive income so that you have the ability and the foundation to both be a mom as well as pursue any career goals with security and without any worry rather than what other people who of course have the right to the choices in their life they think oh i focus on my career and i don't think about family or age or anything is this correct yes it's absolutely true because i want to keep working later in my life but i don't want my work to be something that i totally depend on I mean, I just want to do it for pleasure and for my growth, but not because I must, just because I want. Yes, to do your work just because you want, not because you must. And now I have a a bit of a clearer picture 
of your most loved thing about teaching children and helping them grow because of all the memories and special moments together and other things you mentioned and why a big family rather than one or two kids just curious about this because you mentioned in the beginning that is something that will give you a lot of fulfillment to have a big family so what is meaningful about that yes thank you for being that much attentive to my words for me it's very important to have a big family because i know how lonely child feels when he's alone of course uh, he gets all the attention of parents but the thing is when uh, family is enriched with two and more children the attention and love from parents is not divided it's multiplied so you receive more and more the more children you have the more love and attention you can give that's the thing which i strongly believe at and also when i just received my faith gift uh, in shape of my younger sister i was so happy i was so lucky i was just screaming all day and night because it was the biggest dream i ever had come true and i can only imagine how great it is to have not only one sibling in childhood it's very nice and joyful to spend time together and later when you grow up it's a wonderful network of closest people when you all have your own families and your own kids and you gather together in your huge family circle that's something that really touches my heart and i believe that that's the most important thing in life yes that's the most important thing in life and you want your children to feel that same gift that you felt when you have received your sister and when you have more children the love is not divided it is multiplied and when they grow and have their families they have a network and are not alone in this world trying to make it but they will have support everywhere and therefore it will be not only not alone as children but even as adults they will already be born in their network of family and blood rather than needing to network only with strangers but they will have people who have their back who are their siblings and you and everyone that they love is this a correct understanding yes that's absolutely true and this is very wonderful and i'm curious now about music you play five instruments so it's very important for you what is the most meaningful or the part that touches your heart the most about playing musical instruments or music in general Thank you for this question. That's the thing that I also would love to discuss in more details. Actually, I'm not playing professionally five instruments. I play professionally only piano, as I started doing it when I was four or five years old. And I have certificate from musical school. And um, the second mastered by me instrument is guitar i also know notes and play pretty well and the third one is accordion and the rest are just in progress now so the most exciting part of being in the process of 
mastering and playing musical instrument is the ability to create something. You control everything. You create sound and you decide the length of it, the level of uh, sound, how soft or hard it will be, how quiet or loud it will be. And the moment when you combine your fingers on both your hands, doing a different thing, and you create a melody which sounds nice, which you can hear immediately. That's a magical moment, and that's probably the moment uh, for which you should struggle for a few months to learn new piece. Yes, the moment where you create a melody is a magical moment. And now I have to ask, it seems to me that creating something in this world which is very motherly is something that is deep in your identity, whether teaching children or having creating children in this world or creating music using instruments. And I have to ask, you mentioned when you teach, when you taught children as a gymnastics coach, and even when they were hyperactive, you were able to control the situation and to help them safely learn, you felt strong and powerful. Is this correct? Yes, it is. And do you have moments when you're playing music or creating a melody or even learning and finally it clicks or playing piano professionally, a moment where you feel as well strong and powerful? That's an interesting question and probably the answer is yes, but that's a different uh, feeling, it's a different power. Because uh, the feeling of control is also power. I feel the same when I drive and I decide where my huge mass of machine will go. And when you play the piano, the power is in total control of sound. And, you know, every melody consists of some parts and there is a certain story probably inside and you somehow tell this story without words. And there is a beginning, uh, the most uh, strong part, and uh, the ending. And through this story, you vary feelings which you want to share with others. And at the most powerful and important parts of melody, I put a lot of into keyboard, and I really use my body, I move my body, I use my facial emotions, not on purpose, just because it's something that goes from inside. And at moments when I want to express something, and when I can express it, and when I make no mistake, I feel the power, I feel being at the moment, being present, and that's uh, fantastic. I love that, which sounds very meditative, and I have to ask, about the Carl Jung concept of the collective unconscious, but I will simplify just because it seems to me to be relevant for you. And please, you know, comment on this. According to many, when you play the instrument perfectly, it's something, an energy or something bigger than you that you're connected with and you're in flow and you're giving birth to something. And when you give birth to babies, you're giving birth to something that comes from life and the energy that is bigger than you, and you're participating in that process. And when you teach children and help them improve, 
you are participating in the bigger process of helping those small children become very good individuals that might maybe will create the next cancer um, solution and whatever there will be you are part of creating that bigger thing is this relevant for you maybe when you play music it's almost like some energy is playing using your body and you're just enjoying the flow and it's not even you who is playing you're witnessing greatness or is this not relevant for you that's uh, really interesting because i have never compared anything about teaching kids and receiving something from it and playing the piano and receiving something from it but actually it's very different because when i play unconsciously let me say when i'm in flow that's not the moment when i create that's the moment when i play something that i know by heart really well and i just uh, turn off my brain and my fingers do their job without my participation but i'm not creating something new i just play melodies which are created by someone and uh, when i give a birth or when i teach kids the gymnastics that's something totally new i do something in my own way in my own method and that's my creation that's the difference uh, probably that's why i can't say that i see a lot of similar traits in this because that's a very different kind of flows so when you are creating music is that something you prefer much more when it's something new compared to playing automatically a melody someone created that you have rehearsed and learned? I'm not actually creating new music. I have tried a little bit, but for me it's not that much interesting. Probably I was not successful at this because I prefer playing something that I know, that everyone around knows. And when I just start playing, everyone looks at me and thinks, ah, oh, that's, that's my favorite melody. I have heard it from that compositor. I have heard it from that movie. And that's a moment which is nice for my neural brain parts because that's something I have heard before and now I can recreate it from the past and that's why I don't like creating new music I like playing something created before thank you so when you play something and people recognize and they get into the groove with you What's the favorite part? Is it the impact? Is it seeing their faces? Or what is about that moment? Because now I'm imagining it's a scene like from the Godfather's wedding or those Italian large families who are gathered together and someone might pick the mic and begin singing a song everyone knows and everybody just begins singing with them and dancing and there is that energy and love and familial intimacy there and i imagine that to you that is something that could be touching and important for you but i will let you comment yes yes you described the situation incredibly and i pictured in my mind one situation from dublin when i was playing at the train station and a lot of people around me they all were strangers, but they all started to pay attention look at me some of them started dancing some of them started making pictures and videos they were smiling they were clapping their hands and the moment the moment like this it creates a sense of community 
and I enjoy people's engagement and that's why probably I love playing familiar songs. It came from childhood when I was playing for my parents. It was not just a regular exercise. It was special evening. I was dressed up. I was uh, performing on small home stage. My mom announced me and my songs which I were going to play and that was very special for me. Everyone were watching at me. Everyone seated behind me on the sofa and everyone clapped their hands after my performance. So that's the thing that I enjoy since my earliest steps in music and I still can't just go through the piano if I see it somewhere on the train station or in the shopping center. And I enjoy probably public performance, but not on very serious level. Yes. So people giving you their positive attention, you performing, you in many ways add in a special moment to people. And I have now to mention you said when you play with children, the third thing that you said was important is to be entertaining for them. And that was fulfilling. And now we're speaking about performance and entertainment. How does that relate to three things? When you're teaching children and you're being entertaining for them, and when you have a big family and all your children are coming for you, for the attention and hugs and love. And people, whether in Dublin or anywhere, like you said, when you began playing and people began taking uh, photos and videos and maybe clapping after you like your family did, is that is there a similarity in the energy or in an idea there? Yes, I'm amused how you find a touch points which are similar for every story I share. And I even haven't thought much about these connections between my favorite situations in life, but they are definitely present. So probably the sense of being needed is in the core of all this situation. Because when I receive attention, when I receive positive energy, when I receive hugs, I feel that I'm notable in the society, that I can share my energy with others and not only share, but exchange. That I'm not just nothing in this space and that's important probably for every human being. Yes, that you're not nothing, that you're needed and that you're receiving positive attention, hugs and being valued and important. Is this correct? Yes, of course. That's absolutely correct. And feeling needed. We spoke about these things, but I'm curious to discover more. Are there other ways in your life where you feel satisfied that you feel needed? Of course. In my life, as every human being, I play several roles. I play a role of public relations specialist at my workspace. I play a role of daughter, a role, a role of sister, a role of friend, a role of partner. And in every area of my life, I am satisfied if I feel needed. And if I'm able to share everything that people need from me, but in a positive way. And uh, 
it's especially notable at my workspace when I can see results of something I do, when I can see people grateful for what I do for them. So I think that's a feeling which surrounds me in every area of my existence. Great. So if I understood correctly, it's when there is an exchange of positive energy, you understand and feel that you're needing. Is this correct? Yes, it's correct. And you said see. So I have to ask, because you mentioned in Dublin, when you were uh, playing and people looked at you and you said, I see or I saw on their faces. And you said now about your workspace, I see that I am needed and communicated, uh, communicating and contributing and that there is an outcome. Well, to you, uh, just to understand your brain more, what part does your brain focus on seeing to notice that you're needed and that you're receiving positive energy? Because you mentioned the hands clapping, you mentioned the faces, you mentioned the mobile phones. So to you, what is the biggest representation of being needed? Is it hugs? Because you mentioned that as well. Is it seeing smiles on people's faces? Is it seeing people moving their body, which is clapping or anything like that because of you? Or what could represent to you being needed in the perfect way that you love? That question reminds me about uh, quite an interesting book, which is called Five Languages of Love, somehow like that. And it says that all people express their feeling in different ways. And if you love someone, but your natural way to express your love is language, for example, but for other person, the way of expressing feeling is presence. You probably will not understand each other well, because you just have different ways of communicating your feelings. So I understand that all people around me, they have different ways to express their emotions. And for someone, it might be something sensual, like hugs, kisses, and whatever. For other people, it might be just words and probably not really cute words because just that's the ways how they are used to communicate. And I appreciate a lot of different methods to say something and I see, I feel, I know it's not important how do I receive this message. It's important that I can receive it in any way. I'm quite flexible in terms of communication. So if someone is not really friendly from the first sight, I can I can look deeper and understand what do they really want to say. Yes, you look deeper to understand what they're really trying to say. And that book is a wonderful book, The Five Languages of Love. And then I have to ask you, because in many ways, you're a teacher, whether you're a communicator or teaching children or teaching your children or anything like that. And maybe I can even argue that music and creating a melody that will impact others is a way to communicate, which is similar to writing, which uh, impacts other people and can impact their emotions and be allow you to be useful and needed. But I'm going to ask about learning specifically, because you read books and you learn about life and communication and self-improvement. How does learning 
relate to teaching children? Do you feel, for example, I could say, well, the more you know, then the more you feel you can be adding value to children's lives and therefore you're needed in a deeper way or maybe it's simply curiosity about life and it's another facet of your personality we didn't speak about personally for me that's more not about uh, for future teaching purposes but just for my self growth for my self-development and for broadening my vision of this world because uh, the all the things that i have taught to kids i didn't receive from books i received those from my experience and from my previous teachers so just at the moment reading for me is not about the source of getting information for future teaching it's just source of getting food for thought and something that stays inside. Thank you. This is wonderful. So all or most of the things you taught children are things you learned from your experience and from direct experience of your teachers who pass them on to you. And in many ways, that can be a metaphor for given children that your great-grandparents they gave birth to someone and that person gave birth to someone and that passed the genetics and the family and the life to another until it arrives you and you pass it to as many people as possible to continue that gift you have received both of being alive and your children of receiving sisters and brothers and you receiving your sister and maybe we can say that in some ways experience as well is a way of passing along that from generation to generation and from teacher to student and then that student passes it as a teacher to the next person and the next generation and and you can comment on this what i'm interested in is how do you remember memories because i had a guest here who is a highly kinesthetic person and the way she remembers she actually doesn't remember situations or places or things like that what she remembers is sensations and feelings rather than specifics so maybe she remembers when she went to the beach how the smell of the ocean and how the sun was touching her and all the emotions were she felt because of those experiences but if you ask her exactly like what was happening in the situation it's not so important it's more about the different emotions evolving and the different sensations in her body and she mentioned for example that if she plays tennis Uh, alone that's a different feeling if she runs it's a different feeling if she plays a competition it's a different emotion and it's about the emotions that's what the memories are all about but you mentioned very visual memories whether when you dressed up and you were announced by your mother and you performed for your family or when you began playing in the station in dublin and then people looked at you and took photos so just to understand more how do you remember memories is it really visual or is the visual not so clear but it's all about the emotions and the different shades of sensations that's what that would be my pleasure to talk about this in more details because it's really unique how every single person remembers 
the most important events in life. And as you noted, I picture people's faces, their phones, uh, and all these things. So I am really into visual images. If I remember something, first of all, I see it inside. Second of all, I can hear sound. And third of all, I can feel smell. So for me, these are three the most important things. And definitely the most important one is pictures. Probably that's why I am really into taking pictures of every single thing happening in my life. I have 40,000 pictures in my iPhone right now. And it was over just the uh, last two years. I have all my clouds full of pictures because I enjoy picture in my life. I take probably 20 pictures a day and uh, when time passes, I look back in my memory section and I see what happened one year ago. I can see what I ate that day, what I wrote in my notebook that day. So that creates a feeling of constant remembering what was going in my life through past few years and when you said about that girl who pictures running or beach and she remembers just emotion and feelings i was also picturing beach and running session in my head and i remember picture of my apple watch with running distance i remember something that i was running near in belarus I remember a picture with red car on the beach in Mexico. So I think in pictures and I'm so glad to have my phone and my camera, which are my assistant, which are my assistants in keeping that memories in shape of pictures. So if I understood correctly, you love remembering special or moments in general and to capture them and keep them in pictures and in many ways your blog was a, a previous version of that before you could capture using photos you are capturing memories using language i mean of course please comment on whether this is correct as well as to think about this it seems to me that really the most essential part in life for you is the memories. And you mentioned when I asked about children and having a family and what would be the most important, you said it's the shared meaningful moments together. So is this a correct understanding? Okay, thank you. I will comment about blog at first because at that time I already had my phone with the camera. So that blog is full of pictures and that's an amazing part of it because it has been seven or eight years since I started posting and all my clouds from that time are already gone. So I have no pictures uh, from those times except this blog. So, yes, I was capturing my life since my earliest memories. And my parents had a camera which was really old-fashioned. Now we can sell it probably for a lot of money because it's super old. And I have a lot of pictures from childhood and my mom always printed out all these pictures. So that's kind of family tradition which is now only extended and I'm happy to continue it. And as... Your second question, 
Could you remind me, please? What was it? Yeah, that it's very important to you. Moments, memories, and meaningful. I'm trying to make it like a poetry. Moments, memories, and uh, meaningful, uh, special things. It's okay. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, memories are really important for me, but that doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying my present, that I can't be in the moment, how it's now fancy to say. But memories are essential because I've been five years on distance with my family and the process is ongoing. We live in different countries and all what we have for now is memories about the times when we were together and of course modern means of communication but still memories are great and that's just the ability of human's brain to clear itself and to somehow forget some details which were meaningful some years back but now you just forget it and when you see it you remember it again and it helps me to stay present in my life in general, to remember everything that was happening over the past few years. Thank you. So it seems to me that, of course, like you said, it's fashionable to say being present. So being present now is essential and you don't like forgetting. So you keep the moments so that you can remember them which allows you to know, okay, I don't have to worry about forgetting this, so I can be fully present in the moment, enjoying it, knowing that I will keep it forever. Is this correct, or can you um, comment in a way that will improve the understanding? Yeah, I would love to add to that, that keeping memories in pictures can help me to experience same feeling twice. For example, if I saw an amazing building somewhere in Greece, I just was amused at that moment. And if I take a picture, I can be amused a few more times later because I will see it and I will remember my feelings when I captured it and I will feel it again, probably at the same level. So that's why it's essential. I have to ask, because this is very special and unique. There is something about the brain called hedonistic adaptation, and it's not only about getting used to the good life you have, but also that each time you remember a memory, the brain tends to not give the same level of emotion. But you said you can remember it at least often at the same level of emotion and Refeel, amazed, etc. Is this something you always had, or is it through your spiritual development and presence and meditation that you were able to have this be part of you, the ability to remember memories and feel the emotions at the same higher level rather than the similar tendency of most people? but they can remember it each time lower and lower. I am curious about hedonistic adaptation, which you have mentioned, and I would be grateful if you share some sources I can to look at to get more information about it. And as per your question, I probably haven't noticed that much difference 
how I perceived the things before I started meditating and after, because I have always been quite an impressive person, but not in terms of being impressive in a bad way, like being uh, too sensible and crying for nothing. No, I was impressive with just the simple things. When I saw something which other people didn't find so fascinating, I was amazed and shocked and I was in love that's about me so now I can express the same feeling twice not because I'm so amused for the second time but because to the feeling of amusement I can add a feeling of light nostalgia and anyway I express a lot of feelings so I can note it as a bright moment for my brain when it happens not only once but twice and more times I love that you're mentioning metacognition and a way to create a layer and layer of emotions. So it seems to me that's what you do. Like you said, you feel amused and then you can feel nostalgic about feeling amused. And then you can feel curious about your nostalgia about feeling amused. And then you can feel excited that you're curious about your nostalgia about feeling amused. And it's a way for people with highly developed emotions to be able to add flavor and change emotions. Like if someone is feeling afraid, they can feel curious about feeling afraid. And then they can feel happy that they're curious about feeling afraid rather than stopped by the fear. And then they can feel uh, mature about their happiness, etc. So you can change, instead of trying to change an emotion that you feel, you can change your attitude, the emotion that is about it through this metacognition, and it seems to be natural to you. And I believe that is the process that is unique, that allows you to keep the emotion strong. It's because it's not just only that emotion, but there is an engine of another emotion that injects fire into it to keep it strong. And that's lovely. Look, Elena, we could speak for a long, long time. It's almost one hour and it feels not so long like that. So please listen to your heart. If your heart were to give any advice to any listeners who may might happen to need it, we don't know. Maybe someone listening will hear your voice and hear what you'll say and it will impact them in a positive way. What would be some advice from your heart that you can give? Thank you for this opportunity. I feel that this moment is really important for me. So to stick to the core of our today's conversation, I would advise everyone who listens to me, just don't be afraid to make your dreams come true, even in the smallest things. If someone is laughing at you, if you want to start playing accordion, don't listen to them. Listen to yourself. Just open marketplace, search for accordion, buy it, and start learning. You will feel incredibly great and you will enjoy your life much more than you do. So just be brave enough to close your eyes and ears for people who are not that important for you and listen to the one who is the most important for you. That's you. I agree. And people say, they ask me, okay, why are you a happy person and full of good energy no matter what happens? That's what I say. Look, I will be with me 24 hours all my life. So that should be my best friend. And I should treat my lo- myself with love and happiness. And therefore, that is the most important relationship like you mentioned. And it's a bit sad 
because I remember Marcus Aurelius in his book, Meditations, which wasn't really his book. It was his notebook when he was the Caesar of Rome. He would write thoughts. And one of the things he noticed, he said that in the Senate, he noticed the people who are criticizing him are actually people who are not happy and because they criticize themselves also all the time. So he wrote, how can you expect people who don't love themselves to love you? Which is that also, if you don't really love yourself fully, you cannot really love someone else or love the world or share love with the world. This is wonderful. And Elina, if people want to connect with you to learn more about you, about your work, and maybe follow you, what are your favorite and preferred links? And I will write them in the description as well. Thank you so much. I hope that I will be a great opportunity for someone to get to know more about music, sports, and venture capital. So I will share a link to my Instagram because that's my favorite social network. And also I have Sam nickname on Clubhouse. I talk a lot there for the past few weeks, so it will be my pleasure to meet a lot of people who are listening to you, because I'm certain that they are great people. Thank you so much, and I wish you a great day, and I'm sure you'll be capturing some photos right now <laughs> to put in your, um, in your clouds, and I wish you a brilliant day full of meaning, creativity, as well as feeling needed. Thank you so much. You are absolutely right again. I captured the start of our conversation just for memory's sake. And I am grateful for our conversation. I'm grateful for opportunity to step away from my daily venture capital discussions. And I wish you with all my heart continued success with your project. And I'm sending all the supportive vibes I can for your mission of promoting Ukraine. Thank you so much.